0: Hello there! Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talk Back. The Sermon Talk Back is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text-to-pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com/slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Guys, big day on the Sermon Talkback. We have, I mean, probably, you know, probably everybody's favorite guest, Jennifer McClish. <laughs> but- Thank you for that. We also have a very, and when I say very, I mean very special guest. Oh boy, is Ben Washer special? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 even even of Specialer. greater, even <laughs> of greater speci- speciality, Ooh. Jason Byers. Oh boy. Man, what a what a Christ covenant legend is Jason Byers. Um, I dressed up too for this. I mean, Georgia Tech grad, he's was, wearing a blazer guys. I was guess. told we would be recording, so if only know. you could see him <laughs> nice. now. If only you could see him now. The pride of the yellow jackets. <laughs> Jason Byers. Uh who are some who are some Georgia Tech like who are some of y'all's famous alumni? Famous, alumni. famous like alumni. Who are the, who are the, who are like, man, when you talk oh about goodness. your great alumni? Like, Auburn, we got Tim Cook,
1: CEO well, of I Apple. Man, uh, we have an astronaut. John Young is um, <laughs> commander of space shuttle missions. I mean, there that's something. That's something. Um, we got a bunch of astronauts too. Kerry Mullins uh, was a big biochemist. I think you might have. Played a hand in discovering yeah. DNA, maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, y'all, I are, write, do, y'all are doing some stuff. I just heard these uh, architects okay. in Atlanta, is it, is loves it, it's Stanley. A, it's a community college, right, or is it a? It's, it's a trade school. Oh, okay. trade <laughs> school. It's a yeah. trade, okay. School. Okay. trade school. <laughs> yeah, we learn a trade. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, you yeah. know, I'm glad, glad you guys are out there. But anyway, um, no. So, um, man, well, you got some tech ties too, Jennifer.
2: I have, I have three now. Oh my gosh, three tech ties. It? I know.
0: Three tech. you know what I would love for my children to go to George Tech and I, I say that in all earnest yeah. yeah I mean they'd be right down the road it, it's amazing where do you think Jacob's going to go to school
1: I don't know I suspect he'll end up somewhere smaller he certainly he's got the smarts to do whatever he wants to do but I think he'll be he'll thrive better in What about a little group. place we'll on the plains of Auburn <laughs> <laughs> he has said it's Auburn is his second school his okay. second favorite. I'll second take it. It. I'll, I'll take it, it.
0: Well, guys, we're not here to talk about college. We're here to talk about uh, evangelism. And uh, we're in the series Table Talk, and we kind of have this rhythm called Table Talk. You could call it whatever you want to, but it is it is an outward-facing rhythm that we're trying to kind of encourage in the life of our folks. Is there any sort of rhythm where you're thinking about folks that don't know Christ, that that Are not believers that uh, have not trusted in Christ, uh, have not been redeemed? Uh, I love how Jeremy said it in the announcement time yesterday. Uh, What is the most important thing that we could be doing, or most of the thing we could be talking about is is that people would be reconciled to God in Christ. And so that's what we're thinking about. How, How are we kind of pushing people to have that regular rhythm in their life? Yesterday, we talked about that in particular wisdom outsiders and time. And we really just looked at one verse, uh, Colossians four, five, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. Jennifer, what were some impressions, uh, from the sermon that, that, uh, that have gotten you thinking that have left a mark on you that Mm. that you want to talk about today?
2: Well, definitely when you were talking about wisdom and you, uh, gave the quote, um, and you, well, you asked how would Jesus live my life? And, uh, And then I could hear your voice in my head saying, oof. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. And that's what I thought. Oof. Wow. How would Jesus live my life? Um, That really was convicting and made me think a lot. And I think it's helpful also to think of it and how you're interacting with people. It's not, um, you're not trying to create these situations and get people to, you know, change their hearts. You can't. You are living the life that God has foreordained for you, the the heritage that He's given you, the counsel of His will for your life, and how do you do that? As Christ would, in evangelism.
0: That's right. So yeah, I mean, we, Jason and I have talked about this many times. This little Dallas Willard quote: "You know, the Christian life is this: it it is living your life as Jesus would live it, if He were you, right? Mm -hmm. It's not living the life that Jesus lived, right? We don't." you know, we want to be a Christian. Now, I do think actually a Jesus pilgrimage is a good thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I strongly recommend, you know, a trip to Israel if you can do that, to see the sites that Jesus saw, to kind of identify with Christ in that way. That's a good thing to do. But God in his wisdom has created a world where We, you know, he's not just manifesting himself in one little place, but he wants to manifest himself in every place Mm -hmm. through Christians, followers of Christ, people that are like Christ. And so to live that life, that Christian life, we're really living the life that we are living in different fields, with different families, with different relationships, in different neighborhoods, as Jesus would live it if he were us and uh, i just think that's such a powerful thing to think about how would jesus talk to Paige? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how would jesus parent john kellis mm-hmm. or Raynor emery and how would jesus um you know be an assistant soccer coach uh <laughs> for the bullfrogs i mean um these are big responsibilities that I mean, our lord I mean, would be taking on <laughs> i mean yeah i mean but it's so much more than
1: just doing the right things too right which it's it's it has a lot to do with um the spirit in which we do them too. The your your question as a follow-up to the uh Dallas Willard quote, if people observed your life, what would they conclude about Jesus? That has a lot more to do with um the spirit that we live in as opposed to just our behaviors, right? And making the same you know, it's one thing to make the same decisions that Jesus made. Then it's it's a totally other thing to you can be honest without being kind. And yeah. you know, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a You're lot. Try,
2: trying to portray the character of Christ. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. the, that's why the thing that characterizes Christians most should be love. So it's whatever we're doing, we're, we're letting them see the character of God.
0: Yeah. And people in their sin certainly would rebel against the character of Christ. But, yes. but I, I do believe that so much of the problems that the church has is people that have misrepresented Christ, right? They they haven't walked in wisdom mm-hmm. toward outsiders. They've walked in selfish ambition. They've mm-hmm. walked in pride. They've walked in sin, and but they've 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 taken on the name of Christ, right? And so there's a misrepresentation that happens there, yep. and um, it actually it actually hurts Jesus. It 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 in a sense. Uh, you know in a sense i feel like jesus would come to some of his church and say you know why are you maybe not maybe not persecuting me but why are you lying about me mm-hmm. why are you misrepresenting me why are you showing the world something that is not true of me um and so yes the, to take the name of christ i mean even like the, the the third command right we we oftentimes look at that command um as, you know, don't say this particular cuss word or whatever, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think that's how sometimes people have understood that. That's how I was taught that, by oh, the for way. sure, yep. me too. When I was yeah. a child. But it's not really that. Now, it, it is that in some sense. Obviously, when I, when I speak the name of the Lord, I wanna do so honorably, mm-hmm. and I wanna speak of him well. But I think the, the command is more so, don't take on the name of the Lord in a wrong way, in a vain way. Don't don't take the name. Don't take. Don't call yourself a follower of God, in a, in a thoughtless way, right? Mm-hmm. And so walk in wisdom as a Christian, as you represent him to outsiders. Mm. So, Jace, what were some of your impressions or an impression you had?
1: Well, I always my ears always perk up when you bring up Dallas Willard. We've established already this morning. Dallas Willard He's is your my boy. homeboy. He's your boy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. Um, the, the Where you began talking about essentially taking thinking strategically about how we um, engage with outsiders and um, that different categories, though I hate to think categorically like that, but different categories of outsiders require different means of engagement from us. And it reminded me of Dallas Wheeler's got this great sesh, section in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. I went home from church and I pulled my copy off. Off the shelf. See, that's
0: that's what we want to see, you know.
1: (laughs) Well, it's and he's got the section. It's it's uh, the divine conspiracy is an extended treatment on the on the Sermon on the Mount. And when he turns to Matthew seven, Matthew seven begins with "Judge not, lest ye be judged." Seven one. And then then in I'm trying to call it up on my phone here. So Matthew seven six, right after saying "Judge not, lest ye be judged." Jesus says, "Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you." Well, the way that we commonly I think interpret that verse is that we we think we've got something really special. We've got the gospel. We've right, got right. the pearls, right? And all these outsiders God looks on looks on them as dogs and swine. Well, that can't possibly and, and we're not supposed to give our special pearls to the dogs and the yeah, swine. Yeah. That can't possibly be what Jesus meant. When he's just, he began this little section by saying, judge not, lest ye be judged. Right, right. right. Mm -hmm. What I think, and Willard's convinced me of this, is what Jesus is talking about is the usefulness or helpfulness of what you give to um, the person you're interacting with. And so for a pig, if our intent is to feed a pig, it does no good for us to give them pearls. Pigs can't digest pearls. Um, Likewise, um, dogs have no use for holy things because there's... They're just not useful. Holy things are not useful for dogs. So Jesus's point here in talking about, and this this is exactly the scripture that came to mind when we were talking about taking this different approach um, for different people, is that we ought to always strategically have in mind the usefulness and helpfulness of what right. we're sharing. Right? Our, everybody doesn't require the same approach. And oftentimes the warning in this passage in Matthew 6, or 7, 6 is that if we do, Throw pearls before pigs, then they're just going to trample them underfoot or turn and attack us, right? Which I, I think we can probably foresee how that in human yeah. terms would happen if we if we take the wrong approach with outsiders and we don't think strategically, it could it could end up repelling them or actually causing them to kind of come after us, get angry with us, I yeah. guess, so to speak.
0: So that really frames up well, I think, kind of the back half of the conversation that I want to have today. Jennifer and I were talking about the 20th century church and this kind of, and you know, you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you probably grew up in a church where like, it kind of oh, invite yeah. your friends to church, right? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And, and it was kind of this idea of like, you guys invite, we'll evangelize. In fact, and that's, I, I talk about that as a 20th century idea. I think mm-hmm. it is an old kind of model, but it's not like it's gone. You know, right. I mean, I think a lot of the what people would call like really successful churches in Atlanta, like still are operating under that old model, and Atlanta's the kind of city where it still works a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. there's enough, you know, particularly like the Atlanta suburbs and you know places you know around Atlanta, because there's enough like Christianity and or Christian worldview. There's enough good Christian guys out there, <laughs> you know, use that label, right? And that, that method works with the good Christian guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Y- the good Christian guy, like, you know, you got some old buddies from Barnesville, Right, they're good Christian guys. By yeah. the way,
1: I must say I'm I'm impressed that this was the
0: banter thrown around at the Fiji House at Auburn. Well, and- actually, it came up yesterday. So two, two guys came and they said, "Man, if you'd have thrown <laughs> a good Christian guy out of my fraternity, like it, that guy would have been blackballed." But, <laughs> but you know what that speaks to is that we we actually had a lot of Christian guys, and yeah. so yeah. The, here's here's the way it <laughs> here's the way it went. It was, you know, so-and-so, you know, this is Joe. He's from Mobile, played baseball, sister's in 80 Pie. Y'all might know her. And
1: and then, uh,
0: you know, and then it would be like, uh, he's a good Christian guy, but he still knows how to have a good time. You know what I mean? Like, it, round of snaps. Round yeah, snaps. Yeah. Round of snaps. Yeah. Yeah. Round of snaps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, he's but, sharp. He's sharp. But anyway, yeah, you know what that was, though? It was kind of like my first little... Uh, uh, venture into like modern politics, right? They were trying to kind of hit all the constituencies. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys, it, yeah, he's got a good, he makes good grades. He played, you know, he's an athlete. He's smart. Right. He's a Christian. He's like, and but he's fun. still good with the ladies, right. you know, right. like the scanner
1: so, beeps when you run
0: him across, right? The, right. Across the, <laughs> right. Get the and beep. so, yeah, let's just make sure everybody is like happy with Joe from mobile. And so, um, <laughs> So anyway, but yeah, man, yeah, we had enough of a Christian constituency in our fraternity that that was thrown out as uh, as one of the selling points. But yes, but Barnesville, plenty of good Christian guys. And for those guys, you know, like you can probably invite them to church, right? They're not going to they're not going to get mad. They're right. not going to attack you right. at least. It may not be the most effective thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to probably be a turn off to the gospel. Um, you know, but for different folks, I mean and and we I mean, certainly in the city core of Atlanta and really all throughout the metro, there are you know deeply committed secular people that understand uh Christianity as uh as something that's not good, you right. know um it's 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 actually an ill, I mean, yeah, I think probably Barnesville. Huntsville, what's your hometown, South Carolina? Greenville. Greenville, okay, well, I mean, Greenville. I mean, that doesn't count. The river. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So Greenville, I mean, yes, in those towns, um, being a Christian, particularly, you know, when we were growing up, was a social good, Mm. right? Yes. Um, But man, there's a lot of folks, I mean, most of the people in my neighborhood, like they don't see being a Christian as any sort of, it's actually something you shouldn't be proud of, right? right? you guys are the people that you know this is their mindset that like gave us Donald Trump that gave us that, I mean there's all of these ills attached right. to evangelical Christianity you guys are the people that don't care about uh people of different races or mm-hmm. you know all of this these kind of kind of narratives that are out there about Christians so uh, saying hey you want to come you know <laughs> you know I mean to some folks like you know and I'm just trying like the, the hardcore secular folks like if you said do you want to come to church it'd be akin to inviting them to a political rally of the politician that they hate the most right and so it's 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 a horrible uh Strategy. strategy yeah it's it's throwing the pearls before the swine yes um and so yeah i really hope that our folks can think that way um and kind of understand okay like how how do i represent how would jesus represent because jesus is like this right he, he talks to one group in one way and he talks to other groups in a different way he he represents himself differently to to different groups mm-hmm. um so anyway I, I i do think that this kind of 20th century mindset it came out of kind of a post world war ii america cold war america where there was a social good in most places it was or, a signaling
1: mechanism right it was yeah. it, yeah, was a way to signal to everybody around you that you were you were
0: okay. Yeah, and it was a, and it, it was a good technique to just say, well, you come to church <clears throat> with me?" Now, yep. na- nowadays, obviously, things have changed. As I, as I was mentioning, um, um, and but but I would say even then, even though it may have been quote unquote effective, it actually was kind of an unbiblical approach, right? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of created a lazy Christianity that said, look, all I got to do is bring my friends and he'll, and it, it, it and created a lack work. of gospel fluency, right? I think, among, you know, a lot of churchgoers. And so uh, I desperately hope that Christ's covenant is not categorized by that kind of gospel, you know, lack of gospel fluency, uh, lack of awareness toward outsiders, lazy Christianity mm-hmm. kind of kind of way. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, so um, in light of that then, um, question I have is, uh, if if the expectation is that all Christians are to prepare themselves to engage with outsiders, um, and knowing full well that we're going to encounter outsiders, then
0: how, how do we prepare ourselves for just that sort of thing? So I think the first thing is labels, right? Mm. And this obviously is dependent on who you're talking to. So if you meet a friend let's say you have a friend from like a middle eastern country who is a muslim but they're not like a devout muslim but they're a muslim because they're from the middle east when you say i'm a christian they think you're saying the same thing to them they think you're saying i'm an american Mm -hmm. right you know it's it's just a statement of cultural values not a statement of devoted following of jesus right Mm so you know you need to understand like me saying I'm a Christian to them is different than you saying I'm a Christian to, you know, the good Christian guy or to Mm -hmm. the deeply committed secular person to a deeply committed secular person. If you say I'm a Christian, I'm Mm -hmm. a follower of Christ. They may see that as you have been manipulated by um, powerful people. You've been manipulated by political candidates or you've been manipulated by pastors that want to control you or something like that. They would, they're categorizing you somehow, right? Mm-hmm. And and so I think you need to understand as you begin having influence among outsiders how they are labeling you, right? And they're not labeling you as you are labeling you, right? So they're they're looking at you. It'd be again, world worldview in, in one sense is you know imagine holding up a colorful pane of glass in front of your face. Um, and looking at the world. So let's say I had a red pane of glass in front of my face. All of you would have this red tint about you. And then if you had a blue, you know, or a pink, you know, pink's close to red, but you'll know, say it you had a blue, and you looked around, then everything would have like this blue tint ab- about them. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're looking at the same thing, but because our worldview is very different, we're, we're interpreting it in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that for Christians, you, you have to understand how are you being interpreted? How are you being labeled by the outside world? Right. Um, and I'm not saying that you should necessarily press against those labels, you know? But you just need to be aware of them, right? Mm-hmm. And and I would say, certainly if it's a false label, be aware to the point of not perpetuating it, you know? Um, and so, for example, I'll just go ahead and I'll just go ahead and say this. If you're like hanging out with a hardcore, very secular person that may be kind of, um, you know, politically against um, guns or something like that. And you're a gun owner. Right. You probably, you know, want to keep your guns locked up in a safe and not like bring them out in front of that neighbor. Right. I mean, that, that's probably not the place that you need to go to for connecting with a neighbor because it's going to perpetuate a narrative that they already have of you. Mm-hmm. That, that is going to create a further barrier for gospel influence. And so that's just a little example. But does that, does that make sense? Like, it does. Yeah, so understanding false labels. The second thing is understanding truth sources, right? And so how do we understand truth? How do we understand what is true? We understand true truth because of revelation, right? We believe mm-hmm. in a God who has revealed himself. And so we frame truth based on that right, if you're not um, uh, a Christian, if you don't believe in revelation, mm-hmm. you have to come up with some other kind of truth claim. For a total materialist, obviously, they're saying that all truth is discovered in the material world. Now, that's gotten even more interesting in postmodernity. modernity um, Like, for example, um, science <laughs> is like one of these things that's tossed around, like, I, I believe in science, right? Well, the postmodern person right now, um, they believe in science as it relates to, for example, maybe global warming, right? They would mm-hmm. look at that and say, there's evidence for global warming, but they're rejecting like observable science as it relates to things like gender or mm-hmm. the vitality of a human life in a mother's womb and those kinds of things. So what science are you talking about, right? Well, and the
1: idea that science only can be trusted is a philosophical
0: claim in itself.
1: It's That's not right. a scientific claim, right? So. That even that claim is grounded in some
0: sort yes. of a, a view of what is and isn't true, right? And so, yes, so so you're you're ultimately dealing with I'm going to use a big word here, like but epistemological challenge, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, an epistemology is kind of like how do you know the truth that you believe is true? Like how do you know this is right? And so that's a barrier, right? Mm-hmm. You have a different epistemology than maybe your secular neighbor, uh, or you certainly have a different epistemology than your friend from a different religious. So, and again, it's going to, it would take me, there would be no way we could cover in this podcast, how to overcome all of these barriers. A lot of it is just situational, but what I'm trying to kind of alert Mm -hmm. our folks to is that these barriers exist and you need to be aware of them. And then the third one, um, and this is way down the road. So this is after you've overcome false labels. It's after you've overcome a sense of like common epistemology but then what I would just call like the third barrier, and this is a very practical barrier for the good Christian. This is a barrier for everybody in coming yeah. to Christ. It's a barrier for me. And it's truth application. It's, it's this idea of surrender, right? I mean, I, I may know that there is a God, I may know that he's revealed himself in his word, but it's, it's easy to know that, and it's hard to follow that, mm-hmm. you know? And so when God's word, when God disagrees with you, right, uh, what do you do? And, and this is actually a barrier for a lot of people, right? The good Christian guy, right? Maybe one of the reasons he's not walking with the Lord is because if he walked with the Lord, he'd all of a sudden have to be generous. He'd have to care for the poor. He'd have to, uh, he'd have to love others. He'd have to be selfless. He'd mm-hmm. have to worship God. He'd have to, I mean, all of these things that like Jesus calls us into mm-hmm. that are just not compatible with a self-centered kind of life. And so if, if God's just a genie and he can do whatever I want him to, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, not compatible with God being a Lord that I have to do whatever he wants me to do. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's what uh, the truth source application or the life change barrier or the obedience barrier, what, whatever you wanna call that third one, so. yeah.
2: As you were talking, I was thinking, because I know sometimes when we, when I hear these kinds of things, I start thinking, how will I ever know? <laughs> like, how will I ever figure all of this out and be able to recognize it? But really what you were describing, it, to me, it, it's like goes back to the walking in wisdom, again, just demonstrating the character of Christ, mm-hmm. keeping my eyes on Him, growing in my knowledge and love for Him, and as it comes out in your life, that is actually you can see why that would overcome these barriers, because people can have a, a label, for instance, that, you know, um, you know, all Christians hate. They hate people. They just hate people who are different from, than they are. Um, but as they live next door to you and you're demonstrating the character of Christ, um, that becomes harder to believe or right. to, you know, to label you. And then they may be more willing I think they are more willing to hear what you have to say about it. And then also just being interested in other people's lives, like with questions instead of always be the one talking. I feel like sometimes as a Christian, I feel the need to just like, Oh, I need to say the things I need to, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) you know, make this conversation go in a certain way. Like I'm in control. And like you made the point in your sermon that be a part of what God is doing Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and praying for him to show you, to reveal that to you
1: that's good the the there's a tie too to Blake's Sermon a couple of sundays ago where he he spoke about the um the nature of belief you know, I mean, when we really believe something then we we behave as if it's true right, right yeah if we really believe that Jesus is lord and that he can make he has free reign to make claims on our life our lives wow. then then we have to behave as if it's true the example he gave which is a great one it's awesome to think about um, is it's one thing to believe that an airplane will fly mm-hmm. it's a whole other thing to get on the plane mm-hmm. and put your trust in you know the skill and and expertise of the pilot of the plane mm-hmm. right and to and the science buckle up <laughs> when he says put your seatbelt on on right, and right. Sit, you know to right. sit down while it's taxiing and all these kind of things mm-hmm. it's just um i think if we truly believe that Jesus is Lord, then it it does it, it must have implications for the way right. we live. Sure.
2: But that's why evangelism is so sort of faith building. Like what you experienced when you trust God and you just speak the truth to people, or you you know recognize the opportunity and instead of being afraid, you do you say the thing, um, ask the questions, and then you see God working in people, and you think, wow, yes. He is real. Right. God is real. Right, Yeah. So he's answered my prayers. He softened this person's heart. Yes, yeah, um, and and that's you see that he is trustworthy. Oh man, it, it,
0: yeah. I mean, when I think of like what are the times in my life when my faith has really grown the most? It's when I see when I've engaged with what something God's doing, mm-hmm. and then I've seen Him do something. Right, you know, And right. and, 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 and oftentimes like He doesn't do quite what I think He'll do. <laughs> like the story I told on Sunday with a lady that cut my hair. Mm-hmm. You know, I obviously hoped that. I could share the gospel. We'd pray together that she started coming to my church. That's Mm -hmm. not exactly what happened, but God was at work all the same, you know? And, and I, you know, certainly believe, I mean, I know that I had a part in that because, you know, she later reached out to me and had all these questions. And so I had become for her a trusted source of what she later discovered was truth. So, and, and, and yeah, two things like this kind of gets back to what you're talking about, Jason, it gets back to something we were talking about yesterday too. Like, if you actually believe that God has given you this responsibility, it, a future responsibility is incredibly motivating. Like it will motivate you to pray, to mm. to, to study, yeah. um, to be in community, to... Um, Understand
1: your gifting. Right, right. And yeah, that's yeah. the same
0: kind of, it's it's the acting out of a belief too. Has mm. God really given you this yeah. responsibility of the Great Commission? And the answer is, yes, he has if you're in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I want to just speak to, something you were talking about earlier too, Jennifer, is Man, how do I know where these people are coming from? And I guess just like as a general rule, like don't assume that they're looking (laughs) at the world in the same way that you are. Right. And ask questions, Mm -hmm. as you just said. And, but I will say this, there's not like, worldview is not, as you start to kind of think about the world, it's kind of like the primary colors, like there may be different shades of red, but there's only a few, you know, there's really only blue red and yellow. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's really only a few primary colors. Right. And so you can categorize people, you know, this person may be a little more orange or a little more purple (laughs) or, you know, whatever it is, but you can kind of figure out, okay, where are people coming from here? Um, pretty quickly. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not like so, so complex. Now everybody's actually, you know, obviously individual and, you know, sure. I'm not taking away from that, but it gets back to narrative. As you start to see your life in a certain narrative, that narrative frames a lot about who you are and what you believe. So. Anyway,
1: you got anything else, Byers? No, I, I'm always drawn to a, a sermon where Dallas Willard is uh, mentioned. Hey, well, everybody, uh, go read your I'll Dallas have to Willard. Remember that. I'll have to remember read that. your Francis Schaeffer. Uh, you know to understand worldview and postmodernism, and there's a lot to be. A lot to do, I think. Uh, there's a real call to action to prepare, I think, out of this sermon. You know the sure. book
0: that I'm reading right now, and I keep plugging this, but it's The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read that? I haven't yet. Charles Truman. Truman, yeah.
2: Have so, you read I haven't. It's on my nightstand. super yeah. helpful in
0: terms of just kind of understanding kind of what we're talking about, too. In terms of understanding primary colors, I'll say that. I'll just use mm-hmm. that. There oh, we go. Nice
2: analogy. Nice
0: uh, Soft. Look, I got some colors right here. All right. Well, for Jennifer McClish and the very, and I mean very, special guest Jason Byers, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for joining us.